1: Welcome to Chapter 178 of the WCBS Author Talks Podcast. I'm Lisa Chernkovich. What do Santa Claus and Pinocchio have to do with answering the big questions about the universe? You'll find out in my chat this week with astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. And a little bit later, we get a big pick me up from debut young adult author Crystal Maldonado. Astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson once said, The universe is under no obligation to make sense to you. And yet, He attempts to help us make sense of our place in it in his new book, Cosmic Queries, Star Talk's Guide to Who We Are, How We Got Here, and Where We're Going. The book is based on the popular segment of his Star Talk podcast, and it doesn't disappoint as it explores 10 deep questions. I imagine that all the questions about the universe would fit into many, many more books than this new one you've put out. How did you decide what questions exactly to put into this one?
2: Wait, first of all, it, the questions are easy. It's the answers that take up all the space. <laughs> if you're going to say, you know, what is the meaning of life, that you fit that in one line of a, of a book. And it's the exploration of those answers that is the journey. So uh, this book was uh, split into 10 chapters, each chapter asking a very deep and fundamental question about our relationship. To the universe? How did it all begin? How will it all end? Um, what does nothing have to do with everything? Because we think of space as nothing but there's actually stuff where you think there's nothing. Um, there's there's uh, Is there life in the universe? So these questions are deep and they don't lend themselves to a simple wiki page answer. They require sort of discussion and exploration and are we even asking the right question? All right and there's some the obvious questions that you know are, are not uh, the right questions. So for example, if I take you to Santa Claus, and, I, and Santa Claus on the North Pole, and Santa Claus says, go north, and you say, okay, point me in that direction, and every direction you point is due south, you realize on Earth's surface, you cannot go north of the North Pole. So that very request has no meaning. And you know that. It's like, where do you get to the edge of Earth's surface? Well, at the at this Earth's surface curves. So there is no edge, right? So, So just because you were able to pose a question doesn't mean it can even be answered in principle, right? So on the frontier of discovery, that is our conundrum. And so this book is a celebration of all of the effort we have put in to to answer the deepest questions about our place in the universe and what is the universe made of on, from its smallest scales, the subatomic scales, right on up to the galaxies and the large scale structure of the universe. So yeah, I, we, we put a lot in this book. Um, but I would say you need other books to handle other fields like biology, chemistry, engineering, that sort of
1: thing. I think you totally blew my mind with the question, is Earth a planet? Because I wasn't even thinking that that was up for debate.
2: Oh no! Well, no, Earth. I, I'm good with Earth being a planet. I'm saying you can't go north of the North Pole on Earth. No, Earth is a planet. We're good with that. It's Pluto that has the issues.
1: Oh, right, poor <laughs> and, Pluto. Just get
2: over it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Pluto cares what we call it? Pluto's out there doing its own thing. It it, it doesn't it really doesn't care. I'm I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. <laughs>
1: Who's the intended reader for the book? Is this uh, adults who are curious? Is this, uh, I know the reading level is maybe a little bit above for, for kids, but there are a lot of kids who love space and all the questions that it entails.
2: Yeah, I would say you have precocious kids, you know, geeky, precocious kids down to age eight. I would say what's fun about the book is I think uh, you know I shouldn't be the judge of that, but what what I think keeps you going in the book they're the they're the main chapters that go deep and philosophical and 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 occasionally spiritual, but the to, as a reward for I have no other way to call it but a reward as a reward for for moving through those chapters, um, we toss in sort of little factoids and even there's several dozen tweets that I. Have posted over the years that have direct relevance to that content. And a tweet is short and fast. So I think of those as little biscuits we lay down along your journey. And you can pause, pick it up, and it's tasty, and then you keep moving. So, for example, in the part where we're asking, how do you even know if we're asking the right question? Here's one for you. I don't know if you ever thought about this. What would happen if Pinocchio said, my nose is about to grow? And, and I tweeted that, que- that question, right? So what would happen? Tell me right now, what would happen?
1: I, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, is he telling a lie? Or is he telling the truth, right?
2: Well, yes. Yeah, so if he <laughs> says my nose is about to grow and it starts growing, that meant he was telling the truth and his nose wouldn't have grown, right? Right. right. Okay. If his nose doesn't grow, then he was lying and that means his nose should grow. So 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 that is a that is a scenario that cannot exist in Pinocchio's universe. That Pinocchio would never utter those words because he can't because his universe doesn't allow it. All right? So and that's a that's a case it's an, it's an illegitimately conceived thought. So now think about it we're on the frontier of the universe dangling over the precipice of the unknown and I start posing questions. Is that a legitimate question for the universe in which we're embedded? Will we discover rules about the universe that will later tell me that that question has no meaning? And therefore, I had turned down a blind alley or turned down an alley that wasn't even there at all in the first place. So for that reason, they are interestingly philosophical issues that are brought up in this book. And I think kids love arguing fun stuff. And so I think a precocious eight-year-old, seven, a little young, eight definitely if you're precocious, and certainly teenagers and up. But for, but I, for me, it's the grown-ups who want to have something else to argue about in the bar.
1: <laughs> Besides politics, <laughs> bar. maybe we can move on to something else, right?
2: <laughs> exactly. When you're tired of arguing about Trump or anybody else, you know, let's take on the meaning of life as expressed by the methods and tools of science.
1: So I know I don't have a lot of time with you, so if you will bear with me, may I pose that we do a lightning round of questioning and you answer the first thing that comes off the top of your head?
2: Totally. So you want soundbite answers. Let's do it.
1: All right, let's go. A lot of people are excited about the Perseverance rover. Do you think we'll find other signs of life?
2: Not at this stage, but it will set up our knowledge base so that subsequent missions can better answer that very question.
1: Is it scarier to think we have company in the universe or that we're alone in it?
2: I think it's scarier that we could be alone, such a huge universe. Uh, If we're alone, that's terrifying. And and what a waste of space.
1: (laughs) Are you planning to travel into space?
2: Uh, Only on a very well-tested rocket. (laughs) I'm not one of these adventurers where I accept high risk of death. So if Elon is going to say, Neil, join my rocket, and we're going to go to Mars, I'll say, have you sent your mother on this rocket and brought her back safely? Only when the answer to that is yes, will I then agree. So yes, sign me up.
1: Is there such a thing as a stupid question when it comes to science?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I think I, I want to respect everyone's foundations of curiosity. And so what I do is, if the question is really weird, I will add real science to, that, to my reply and then you'll get a fun, weird answer. So if you say, well, when are we going to visit the sun with astronauts? And I'll say, I don't know. The sun is pretty hot. But maybe one day we'll figure out how to visit the sun at night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Now, that being so, said, what's the craziest uh, question you've been asked?
2: Um, the craziest question I've ever been asked, uh, it was someone once asked, if I'm in the presence of Martians, will my beer taste better than it ought to? <laughs> that, that was like, I don't even know how to begin to address that. <laughs> um, and because people people know that some beer takes tastes differently under different environments, right? Uh, you know, the ball game, it's hot, it's a good beer, but if you're at home, the beer wouldn't taste as good. So environmental, so I think I know where the question's coming from, but I got that question long ago, and I'm still trying to figure out how to answer that one in a satisfying way.
1: And one final question for this lightning round. I have a friend who always names you as one of the five people living or deceased she's going to invite to a dinner party. So who are the people on your guest list?
2: I used to have people like Isaac Newton on that list and maybe Joan of Arc, uh, people who were courageous and brilliant and had the power of their spirit energy to keep going, doing what they're doing. And then with Isaac Newton, I realized that's a very awkward conversation. So there's Newton at the table, and he said, well, How'd you get here? I said, well, I drove, uh, ask of, of me. I said, Well, I drove here to this restaurant. What, what do you mean you drove? Oh, in a car. What's a car? Oh, it's a horse-drawn carriage without a horse. Well, then how does it move? It has an engine. What's an engine? Oh, it uses <laughs> gasoline. What's gasoline? Oh, it has it's fossil fuels. What are fossils? And, and this, the, the effort to catch him up on, and then I realized, oh my gosh, we really are living in the future. And so I, I do not wanna spend the whole dinner party just catching them up. So, um, uh, so I'd, have, I'd try to go more modern and maybe bring Einstein to the table or Marie Curie. And they, they will at least have exposure to things that I can have common ground to have a conversation with. So yeah, they would definitely be scientists. Um, I don't need to talk to politicians. I don't think they have much to offer my curiosity, but definitely people who helped shape what we think of as modern civilization, I might invite the Wright brothers, and they'd be delighted to learn where we've, how far we've come with their airplane, for example. That's how I'd want to do it.
1: Well, that's where we're going to leave it. We've been talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson. The new book is Cosmic Queries: Star Talks Guide to Who We Are, How We Got Here, Where We're Going. Thank you for answering all of my questions about your book, full of questions.
2: That's excellent. Thank you.
1: Do me a favor and think of your favorite rom-com movie. Okay, now, think of the lead female character and what she looks like. Odds are she's some beautiful, thin girl who, depending on the movie, has a fat BFF who's just so funny. Kinda not cool, right? Well, Crystal Maldonado is looking to change that preconceived notion of who deserves to be loved in these types of stories with her debut young adult novel, Fat Chance, Charlie Vega. I would love dark chat. And I think you will too. I read an interview you did where you described your book as containing the five Fs, which I love. Tell us what they are.
0: Okay, so let's see if I remember them. So this is fat fashion, feelings, first, and I feel like I'm forgetting the last one. But there's just a
1: lot going on in this book. <laughs> oh, friendship. <laughs> yeah, we can't we can't forget about friendship, right? Of course. <laughs> Now, right off the bat, we know that your main character, Charlie, struggles with Bonnie image when she tells readers about dreaming about being a size two. And I think that's something a lot of teens and even adult women who may not be, you know, the target audience for this book struggle with.
0: Absolutely. I feel like it's a never ending struggle, right? Where you're always thinking about your body and comparing it to other people. And it's forever. It never stops.
1: (laughs) And, you know, nowadays for teenagers, like, I know when I was, you know, a teenager and, and struggling with weight, I didn't have to worry about Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and unkind pictures and unkind words. I can't even imagine what it's like nowadays. I
0: know. I think that all the time that I'm, like, fortunate that I didn't grow up having to be on social media all the time. Like, how stressful must that be, you know? I
1: love that that Charlie is not... She's not what people always think of as the perfect teen lead or even like a romance book lead because she is fat. She's Puerto Rican. She's not some thin, white, blonde girl, you know, in the suburbs. She's someone who's struggling with who she is, what she looks like, where she, where she fits. And I think a lot of people now are starting to realize how important it is for young readers to, to see and read books that have characters that look like them and that are going through exactly the same things that they're going through. Is that something you had growing up? So I read a
0: lot and I watched a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows. And I really felt like I didn't get to see anybody that looked like me. So like Charlie, I'm also fat. I'm also Puerto Rican. And I loved reading about romance. But I was like, why doesn't anybody who looks like me get to be that lead character and be desired? And, you know, I wanted to create that for Charlie and to create that story so that people who don't really feel like they get to see themselves in those roles, finally have that validation and can appreciate themselves and sort of see themselves in Charlie, even if they don't necessarily look exactly like her, they sort of, can maybe relate to a different piece of her and still feel like their experience is very much valid and important.
1: Since Charlie and you share some traits, was it difficult to write parts of this book? It was for sure. So, I mean, I had to tap into what it was like
0: growing up and being fat and, you know, some of those maybe offhanded comments that people might make here and there, but at the end of the day, it it is a work of fiction. So I used some of my experiences to sort of inform the story, but I also gave Charlie kind of a life of her own. So it was nice to have that balance. And honestly, one of the great things to revisit was the character of Brian is based off of my real-life husband. And the two of us met in high school, much like Charlie meets Brian in high school. And so that was kind of nice to just think back on, like, our budding romance when we were teenagers and just reminisce.
1: So that was fun. High School Sweethearts, that's like the ultimate romantic story.
0: (laughs) Right, like it's like a real life YA rom-com. So I (laughs) had to make it into a book.
1: (laughs) So I know this is your debut YA novel. What was that like for you? What was that process like? Honestly, it was really a dream come true. So
0: I've always wanted to write a book. I just didn't know if I could or if there was room for a story like this in the world. Um, And so it's been really wonderful to see it come to fruition. Um, It's been a little weird, I'll be honest, since it's a pandemic. And there's there's a lot of stress in the world right now. So it's interesting to have all of these positive and great feelings and experiences juxtaposed with a time that's really difficult and trying for everybody. Um, But I hope that it provide some sort of escapism. I know I love to read books when things are hard because it lets me get out of my real life and hop into a book for a little bit. So I hope that that this book is able to do that for some people.
1: I want to go back to something you mentioned a little earlier, which I love this idea that you want to send this message that everyone deserves to be a hero in their own story, no matter what they look like, what they feel like, what their life situation is.
0: Yes. So, you know, we are bombarded by messages every day on social media, online, and just everywhere, really, that tells us we need to be some kind of way. And for whatever reason, it's never the kind of way that we already are. You know, it's always like be thinner, be taller, be more like this. And I think that can be so exhausting to hear. So Charlie and her story, I feel, is can be really empowering because she does take control of her own social media and she sort of turns it into this positive experience for herself where she's looking at other fat people and she's really appreciating them and she comes to the realization that she gets to be that heroine and it's such a freeing feeling and I honestly hope we can all get to that place in our own lives.
1: Were you as young as she was when you got to that point in your life?
0: God, no. <laughs> so it's me, I feel like so long to get to that place. You know, I'm in my 30s now. And so I've had decades of experience and I've gone through a lot and I feel like I've learned a lot. And I thought it would be nice to help package some of the things and lessons that I've experienced and put them into a book for teenagers and hopefully help introduce them to this idea that they can love and embrace themselves sooner and that they can get to that earlier in their life than I was able to, and then they can start that important work and really, really love themselves. It's like you wrote a letter to your
1: younger self.
0: It really is. You know, I would have loved to read this, and it's like I'm basically talking to past Crystal saying, it's going to be okay, and you don't have to change. And I hope that's part of the message that when young readers or really anybody who picks this book up, they sort of get that message sent to them wherever they are in their life.
1: I do think there are a lot of adult women out there who who need the lessons that come through in this book just to just to be kinder to yourself, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. Make room for yourself, love yourself, surround yourself with people who who get you. You know, there's nothing like having great friends and great family who can support you, and that's so important.
1: I know you're the your mom to a new daughter or a new mom to a daughter, <laughs> I should say. Um, do you ever think about how you're going to teach her how to navigate this this world that's out there and it's a world that's not always so nice to people who are different? But I think about it a lot. So I
0: feel like I want to raise her to be a very empathetic person and just to really appreciate that everybody has a different story. We all have different experiences and we bring different things to the table. And we need to, we don't know what everyone's going through. Right. And we don't have to know in order to just give them kindness and to make sure that we treat them with respect. So he's just a toddler now. So a lot of the ways we're talking about that is just through reading books and figuring that out. Um, But I definitely think we'll have a lot of conversations about how there are people who don't look like us and, how everybody deserves love and appreciation and respect.
1: Now that you've got your debut out of the way, what's next for you? You know, I'm working on book
0: two, um, which I'm really excited about. So this is supposedly, or we're allegedly coming out in 2022, fingers crossed. Um, But I honestly just want to keep writing stories for young people. And I especially want to write stories that just, you know, explore what it means to grow up and to make room for yourself and to talk about what it means to be a fat girl and have this experience in the world and appreciate yourself. Because I think there's not enough of those positive stories out there and I would love to help create some of them.
1: I just love the infectious like enthusiasm that you have for this, you know, this way of life and this like of of looking at life. And I hope that people who pick up Fat Chance, Charlie Vega, get that through the page and, you know, just are happy with themselves and maybe are more accepting of other people out there who don't fit this quote unquote ideal that uh, some people have decided is uh, the way we all should be.
0: Oh, thank you. That means a lot. I hope so, too. Like, I would just love if we were all nicer to ourselves and nicer to each other That doesn't mean we have to be perfect all the time. It doesn't mean we're going to be happy all the time. But as long as we're kind of trying our best, that's all
1: we can ask for. Crystal Maldonado, thank you for your time today. And thank you for being so positive. Oh,
0: thank you. I had a great time chatting.
1: And that's where we close the book on this chapter. As you may have heard, it's Women's History Month, and in celebration of it, we're going to be highlighting books by and about women for the rest of this month's podcast. I promise there's a little something for every reader. Until then, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WCBS880Books. I'm Lisa Chernkovich.